From muddy jungle paths to snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder is ready to take you to some of the most phenomenal destinations on Earth. In a Pathfinder, it's more than just the arrival. The real excitement comes from the ride to get there. With seven drive modes, Pathfinder's available intelligent four-wheel drive is built for some of the most epic journeys. So chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures in the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. Intelligent four-wheel drive cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. Hello and welcome to the In The Pen Podcast, part of the PitcherList Podcast Network. I am Jake Crumpler, your host for the day, joined as always by PitcherList's bullpen expert, Rick Graham. Rick, how you doing? I know you were just in New Hampshire. Was that uh, was that sick? Good to uh, get some time away from the relievers? Yeah, it was nice to have a little bit of a, of a break from, uh, you know, being in the city and kind of getting away and being on a lake for a couple of days. Yeah, it's definitely needed at this time of the year as we get closer to the end of the season. Oh, yeah. It always feels like the dog days of summer are July, but it's really like this second to last month where it feels like things are close to being done, but we still got yeah. a third of the way to go. So, yeah, I'm glad that you got some time off to uh, to recover. And I also had some time off to recover as well as I celebrated my birthday on the 22nd. Yes. Woo! 25. Happy birthday. Big 25. <laughs> Quarter life <laughs> crisis. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> but this is a bullpen podcast and we will be covering all of the news that has happened over the last week. Usually we have a main topic, but there's been so much going on this past week in terms of players losing their closer job, getting injured, people moving up, doing well, going off. It's There's just so much to cover that we didn't even need to come up with something special like we did last week when we covered uh, which pitchers might be limited going into the last couple of months. So today we're just going to you know, cover the, the big news points um, from the last week. Um, but as always, we start off by covering your closer chart, your, your top 30 closers from around baseball you rank them every week and we like to cover guys that are moving up and down the chart and this week we're gonna once again do three up and three down three guys that are moving up your chart this week are all guys that did not start the season as the closer and so that's pretty interesting it's it's closer roles are always moving and shaking it's it's hard to uh pin them down but right now these guys have very firm grips on their roles and they've been performing quite well those three guys are felix bautista of the baltimore orioles tanner scott of the miami marlins and kyle finnegan of the washington nationals why don't we start off with bautista why is he moving up your chart this week yeah well i mean we can honestly with all three of them it's basically because they're the closer for their team and there's no competition right now so that's just, I mean, from everything that's kind of happened in the past week with injuries or, you know, guys getting removed from the role, there's just so much volatility at the back, you know, the back half of that list that by default, these kind of locked in closes are moving up the list. And, you know, Scott's been, well, we'll talk about Batista. So Batista's obviously been, you know, they went out and traded Jorge Lopez and Batista's 
filled in. It, it probably been has been better than you know Lopez was anyway. So they haven't lost a step there. He's been absolutely electric, and he's like we talked about him a little bit a couple uh, last. I think it was last week, and definitely mm-hmm. someone who I'm starting to think is like a top five or six closer potentially heading into next season. Wow. Yeah, he's been uh, pretty unstoppable. 35% K rate, sub 1.7 ERA. He's already up to nine saves now. He's, I mean, he's just massive. I mean, I would yeah. not be able to get a hit off him. Not that I'd be able to get a hit off anybody, but it's like... Poor Eloy Jimenez. Oh, man. Did you see? Did, he got did, hit in the, I did not see. He got hit in the elbow with a 100-mile-per-hour fastball. No. Yeah. If, yeah, that, if Eloy hurt. didn't need any other in any more, you know, bad breaks. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Dang, that's that. Yeah, that's that can't feel good at all. That's uh, no. definitely not something that's good for an injury prone player like Eloy. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Batista has been super reliable all year long. And now that he's a closer for a team, that's really not bad at all. He's no. yeah. I mean, he deserves to be moving up. So we'll move to the National League to the Miami Marlins and Tanner Scott's been there. We talked for a long time this season about how the Marlins struggled to find a closer and they settled on Tanner Scott and he sort of held on to it throughout the season. And it's not because he's been super dominant or anything. There are better relievers in that bullpen, but they've just stuck with him. He strikes out a lot of guys and he walks a lot of guys, but Mm. he's been able to hold on to the closer role. Is that why you've moved him up this week? Just because he's the He's one of yeah. the few guys in baseball right now that that have a firm grip on their role. There doesn't seem to be any sort of, yeah, anyone challenging him right now for the role. And he has been better lately. Um, you know, walks are still a concern. I think I put it basically whenever he walks, like a lot of his bad outing. I mean, it makes sense. A lot of his bad, bad outings come when he puts guys on base. So if he could just like bring that down a little bit, I mean, it kind of rem- reminds me of like I was when Tanner Rainey like first kind of came up with Washington and I'm like, just if he could just, you know, get the walk rate down, he's never going to like never, he's not going to have a great walk, rock walk rate, but just brings it down a little bit. I think all of a sudden we're talking about an elite reliever here and Rainey was able to do that for for a season. And, you know, so I'm still waiting for Scott to kind of just reel that command control in a little bit this stuff's obviously dominant he gets tons of swings and misses he's always had a high k rate so you know he's he's close to kind of breaking out but he's still until that walk rate comes down he's you know someone who's not gonna give you the best ratios um but he's getting saves right now so at least he's giving you saves and k's yeah, that's really all that matters in uh, yeah. in Roto Leagues for sure. You really just need guys that are getting you saves because there's only 30 of them. There's actually probably fewer than 30 <laughs> of them because it's all so spread out. But yeah, it's been, uh, it's been interesting to see him hold on to a role even though he hasn't been, you know, close to one of the most dominant relievers in baseball. But yeah, like you said, he's just a guy who needs to throw the ball in the strike zone. It's sort of a uh, similar to a starter in Aaron Ashby who has just incredible mm-hmm. stuff. He just can't throw it in the zone. Like nobody's going to hate your stuff, bro. Just throw it in the zone. Yeah, exactly. So right. yeah, he, I think he's, he's either being too fine or he really can't control it, but yeah, it's turned into a 30% strikeout rate and a 4.25 ERA just about. And he's up to 19 saves now, which is pretty solid. That puts him pretty high on the leaderboard and, 
very surprising from a guy who was acquired in the offseason in a trade along with Cole Solcer from the Baltimore Orioles. So the Baltimore mm. Orioles have just been pumping out relievers and just moving them all across the league, which is not something I would have expected prior to the season starting. But uh, we're going to stick to the NL East with the last closer moving up the reliever chart this week. And that's uh, Kyle Finnegan on the Nationals. He took over the closer role when Tanner Rainey went out with Tommy John surgery. Uh, actually, I don't even know if he's had Tommy John surgery yet. It was an elbow I injury. I believe he did, yeah. He did have it? Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. There it is. Kyle Finnegan okay. took over for him, and he's been pretty solid. I mean, he doesn't really have much competition there. His his only real competition, Kyle Edwards Jr., has sort of fallen off a little bit. They have very comparable numbers right now, so they're sort of just – it just seems like the same thing as last year where Finnegan took over for the guy who was the closer in the first half and is just being sort Sort of decent you know he, he's not terrible he's not gonna blow your socks off but he, but he gets the job done why is he moving up specifically for you this week yeah basically just because it looks like he's starting to push or pull away from um carl edwards there for a second it looked like there may be a bit of a timeshare committee thing going on but he's gotten i think the past two possibly three saves and he's been using he's been used more, more in the ninth and, and than uh, Edwards has so um looking like and uh, and Edwards has been good too but yeah like you said that's it's, it's kind of there's not a whole lot of difference between the two so I'd imagine with Finnegan having some sort of you know some experience in the role last year that that's gonna help him you know stick in the closer position for the rest of the season yeah Dave Martinez probably has some affinity to him that he just feels yeah. comfortable using him in the ninth like he did last season but yeah those are the three guys moving up this week Bautista Scott and Finnegan so if you've got them on your fantasy teams feel comfortable right now with them they they should be able to be pretty decent throughout the rest of the year at least reliable and getting saves and now it's time to move on to the three guys that are moving down this week and there's some pretty notable names um we got Josh Hader Craig Kimbrell and Rowan Wick Hader's on the Padres now Kimbrel's on the Dodgers and Wick is on the Chicago Cubs all of these guys are sort of out of the closer role right now which are are they still on your chart no I it was weird seeing Josh I had to put Josh Hader with the the holds uh list this week it's it's (laughs) just weird yeah yeah Yeah, we were talking before the show I don't think anybody would have believed you if you had told them the order of events in the San Diego closer role, <laughs> we'll get into that a little bit more, but um, why is Hater specifically moving? I mean, why did he, why did he move off your list this week? I mean, he's been removed from the closer role and yeah, mm-hmm. like, like you said, especially with all three of these guys, we're going to kind of talk about these situations and how they all have kind of fallen out of favor, but um, Hater's definitely the big, name that sticks out you know a lot of people were drafted we talked about we actually we talked about him and Kimbrel last week and how they might get some some sort of rest down the down the stretch but it might be a combination of maybe, maybe they're not getting rest but they're definitely not getting this type of high leverage work that you know they're accustomed to it looks like so yeah i i still wouldn't be shocked i mean it, it's good to see the hater has an understanding of what's what the issue is and with his release point and that seems like something that can be worked on and figured out. Um, but it's definitely going to not happen overnight. So I still have hope for him having a big September, but 
right now it's it's definitely not what you know people who drafted him are, are looking for definitely not he was going super early in drafts about as early as we we've ever seen a closer go in fantasy baseball drafts and it it was it was uh, deserved. He had a 1.23 ERA last year, and it is up to 5.17 right now. So it's not really ideal. He's just been allowing too many base runners, and it's hard for him to work around it because he's uh, he's a fly ball guy. And so when people hit home runs off him, they're going to be multi-run home runs. And that's not really the ideal uh, skill set for a closer. That's for sure. Another guy who has been dominant throughout his career is uh, Craig Kimbrell. And he is also out of the closer role in on another NL West team. And it's uh this one's a little bit less surprising. I think if you had told people before the season that Kimbrell wouldn't hold on to his role throughout the season, they wouldn't be as surprised considering how yeah. he performed with the White Sox in the second half. But yet it's like he's on the Dodgers. You sort of expect the Dodgers to be able to turn everybody into an all-star and they haven't been able to do that with Kimbrell. They haven't been able to get him right. He has a 4.36 ERA and obviously you're, you removed him off the chart because he's not the, you know, one out closer anymore. He, it's not just him. They're going to start using a committee or, or giving him a break like we uh, suspected last week. But uh, what was there anything that's like caught your eye on him or, or anything? Or was there anything of note that like, made you consider taking him off with any reason other than he's the, he's not the the main guy there. He's, he has been slowly, I've been slowly moving him down the ranks as the season's gone along, kind of had him stuck in the like late teens. And yeah, it's just been, I think we've, we've talked about it in previous podcasts, how he's just been super hittable this year and, you know he's he's allowed base runners in almost every one of his outings, and just, there's just nothing clean. Like the old, you know, Craig Kimbrell would just you know go strike out the side in order and call it a day. And mm-hmm. he hasn't been he is not even close to that this season. Um, I think it's a combination of trying. I think Dave Roberts brought it up, and it's it, there could be something to it where he he thinks he's maybe trying too much for. Too, too hard to strike people out instead of just going out there and trusting his stuff and you know making good pitches and executing he, he's trying a little to be a little bit more you know finessed with his location and it's definitely it's not really the issues i mean it's we're not talking about like chicago cubs early chicago cubs era craig kimbrell where he was either walking everyone or giving up home runs so, so he's not that bad yet but um it's certainly something they want to get fixed as they head into the postseason. At least they have time to, you know, get him right, and they don't really have to rush anything with their comfortable lead in the NLS. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm more confident in Hater figuring things out than Kimbrel at this point. But again, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if Kimbrel, you know, turns things around by the end of September and is their trusted closer for October. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's probably just throwing too many pitches in the zone, trying to uh, avoid walking guys, and that sort of gets him hurt because mm. it just gives people stuff to hit. And his his stuff is still pretty good that that he should be able to strike guys out. But I mean, if you look at his last few seasons, they've just been—I don't remember Kim, Kimbrel being this bad. But it was like 2019, six point five three ERA, 2020, 5.28. He obviously was good in the first half of 2021, but he was awful in the second half, and now he's up to a four point three six ERA. So. 
for a guy that looked like a, a Hall of Famer through the first half of his career, it's really going downhill now. And, you know, if the Dodgers can't yeah. fix him, like <laughs> they're going to need to uh, trade him to the Rays or something because that <laughs> might be his last chance. But he's uh, really he's really only had I mean, I think going back to that last season, he was with the Red Sox. He was really not good the second half there. So like, mm-hmm. it's been over, a long time since the second half of 2018. I mean, he's only had one good half of a season and that was like the first half last year. So, yeah, it's it's not really something to be something to definitely worry about if you're counting on him uh, as a Dodger fan. Mm hmm. Well, joining Kimbrel as a former Cubs closer is Rowan Wick, who seems to have lost the uh, the exclusivity of his claim on the job in, in Chicago because he's just like he had a stretch where he was doing really well. And it sort of faded this week, as well as Brandon Hughes climbing up the ranks a little bit. We're going to cover him a little bit more in depth. But for now, is Wick just moving off the chart because he's not the closer? And and do you have any faith in him turning things around in the in the next few weeks? Uh, not exactly. I, I think, <laughs> I, and he was on. I had him on the up list last week, and uh-huh. I did have the caveat that like it, his three saves came against the Nationals and the Reds. Which, to be fair, the Cubs do have a pretty favorable schedule. I mean, they they get the Pirates and the Reds a couple more times, I believe. So, um, but. But yeah, he just—he's just not very—he's just not good. And I'm glad that they're giving Brandon Hughes a shot because he's—he looks like he could be a, a nice piece for them moving forward. And um, I don't know, maybe he can become the closer, of, you know, moving forward for next year and whatnot. But yeah, Hughes is definitely more more intriguing. And for those looking for someone in this bullpen, I would definitely prefer him closing out games than Wick and his whatever one point six whatever whip it is at this 1.68 point. <laughs> yeah yeah it's uh so. it's not great i'm looking at his pitcherless player page and it's all the ch- all the charts are blue and he's just he just doesn't have really any standout abilities and if you if you look yeah. at his strikeout and, and walk numbers it was like last year he had a strikeout rate that was seven percent higher than this year which is this year it's at 22 percent, but he mm-hmm. also walked four and a half percent more batters so it, it seems to be a trade-off of just like oh i'll walk less guys but then i'm going to be a below average strikeout reliever and yeah i mean he just seems like a, a middle of the bullpen type guy not somebody you want to count on closing out games and putting a bunch of runners on base in the ninth inning is really not ideal at all no nope yeah well, so those are the three guys moving down and moving off the list because of their performance over the last week or so. And hopefully uh, a couple of these guys can turn it around. There, there's definitely no guarantee Wick is going to be getting his job back because, like I said, he doesn't really have great skills. But Hader and Kimbrell have been struggling for a while now, and their their pedigrees are not going to be enough to keep them in their closer role in the future or get it back. But I'm sure all of these teams are going to hope that their bullpens are going to be able to turn it around in the near future. But now it's time to move on to the news and the changes and the movers and the shakers over the past week or so. We've got a lot of big news. We're going to, we're going to start from, uh, we're going to start with the Philadelphia where uh, Sir Anthony Dominguez is out. It's a tricep strain or something. Yes, that sounds right. Let me see. Yeah, tricep tendonitis. It was the tricep okay. something. Yeah, that doesn't sound great. Um, no. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't think good news is too well either. Yeah, good news is they're expecting him to only miss 15 days. So we'll That's see. good, but uh, that does line 
David Robertson, the midseason acquisition up to be the closer. When he was first acquired, it was sort of unclear whether or not he was going to be the closer. And then based off what happened after the deadline, it seemed like Dominguez was the one who was being favored. But now with Dominguez out, Robertson is the clear guy there with Brad Hand being the number two who probably won't be stealing too many saves. He seems more like the setup guy. But uh, yeah, so how are you valuing how you excuse me how are you valuing Robertson now that he is the clear-cut closer in Philadelphia and are you going to be dropping Dominguez in leagues that you don't have an IL uh I think I might because I you know they brought Robertson over and the expectation was that he was going to be the closer and Sir Anthony would move back into the holds role and you know, surprisingly, kind of, you know, they, they kept, they stuck with Sir Anthony Dominguez in the closer role, which was, you know, it was, you know, probably the right decision. He's pitching so well this season. Um, but now that he's missing some time and Robertson, and if you look at the Phillies, uh, the Phillies schedule is so, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, it's either the, the easiest schedule the rest of the way or it's, it's the top two or three. So, I think there's a chance for Robinson to kind of, if he can stick in the role and they don't, you know, use hand and, you know, others uh, to close out games. I think Robinson can kind of just run away with this and they can ease Sir Anthony back into the role, into a, into a holds role. And um, that would, yeah, I mean, I, I think you only are keeping Sir Anthony Dominguez if you have an IL spot at this point, especially if you're, you know, battling for a playoff spot and you only have two or three weeks left, I think you have to move on from from someone like that. Yeah, it's that time of the season where guy gets injured. You got to make a quick decision whether or not to cut him because there really isn't much time yet. If a guy misses the next two weeks, that's like a third of the rest of the season. That's a lot of time, especially for a guy that isn't guaranteed to take the closer back because the Phillies have other guys there that they obviously acquired because they were enamored with their ability. And Robertson has been great this year, striking out 31% of batters. He's got a 2.16 ERA. I think it's his best ERA since 2017, and he's got his most saves at 18 since 2016. And that's pretty impressive. He's been he's been yeah. vintage David Robertson. I think he's like 37 now. Uh, pretty cool. He's going to be a free agent after this year, so they can just ride it till the wheels fall off. And yeah, it's a... Uh, it's really disappointing because I was I was loving what Sir Anthony was doing all year. I think both of us were guys that were calling on him to be the closer way early in the season, and it, it paid off well for anybody that you know jumped onto that early. But yeah, let's hope he can come back healthy. I would love to fi- see the Phillies do well in the playoffs. They've really been an unfortunate franchise for the last uh, few seasons or so. And uh, Bryce Harper just returned today too, so they seem yeah. to be getting back to full strength. But there are some other there is some other big news going on right now. Today, Ryan Presley was placed on the 15 day IL with uh, neck soreness. Is that what it was? Yeah, I think so. Um, which is really disappointing because he was my biggest closer in my home league. And it sort of just put, puts me out of the race, especially because Zach Wheeler just hit the IL too. Oh, OK. Well, actually, the Phillies are pretty disappointing. They, they're just very unfortunate. <laughs> but um, yeah, Ryan Presley hitting the IL is not great. It, it seems like a minor in- injury that shouldn't keep him out too long. It's also backdated to Monday the 22nd. So he sh- could return, I think, either the 5th or the 6th of September. And that's not too long, 15 days. And he will get the closer role right back when he returns because he is the clear cut guy there. 
But how are you valuing the rest of the relievers in that bullpen? I think Presley is, uh, I think he's a clear hold, honestly, because he, he's he's like a top five, top 10 guy in yeah. amongst closers. So I, I think he's a guy you can't let go of, especially because this injury seems minor. But how are you valuing guys like Rafael Montero, Hector Neris, Will Smith, and Ryan Stanek? Who do you think has the best chance at getting the majority of the saves going forward? And who would you be running to the wire to pick up? I guess would be Naris, but it's funny you mentioned all those guys who all have closer experience. And I'm reading mm-hmm. the little, the like the little uh, Yahoo write up, and it's saying Hector Naris and Brian Abreu are the most likely c- candidates to handle the ninth really? inning. Which Abreu, he, he's been good. He's pitched really well this year. He's been kind of the unsung hero out of that bullpen. But um, that would still that still would be a bit of a shock to me. If I, I know Naris has been. You know, a little hit or miss, but mm-hmm. I still like. I think that he's still probably the favorite. Um, Montero has been struggling a little bit lately, and Will Smith has been, you know, yeah, it's been very mediocre this season for both the Braves and the Astros. So they'll probably, it'll probably be some sort of committee, but at the end of the day, and if you're going to take a chance on someone, I'd say Naris, but. Yeah, you definitely want to hold on to Presley, I think, especially because he he might only miss another week or literally another week in like a couple days. So, yeah, if you can, you can if you can hang on for another week, definitely. Um, yeah, hold on to Presley. I agree, but I I don't know if Naris is going to be the one. He he's you you noted that Naris has sort of slowed or that Montero has slowed down the past week. Or, or two, and that's true. I think he's allowed seven runs across his last five and a third innings pitch. Eight runs, seven earned. Mm. Uh, that comes out to an 11.8 run ERA, but he still sports a 2.61 ERA and a 25, about 26% strikeout rate. So he, he's been really great all year. He does have the most saves amongst that uh, group of closer committee guys. So I, I've always thought that he was the next in line there. He's been the setup guy on the reliever depth charts on the reliever ranks every week so i always thought he was the next guy up but i mean yeah that's a great point that uh, montero has been slowing down recently but i think naris has been too i thought he had like a really yeah, great he, he, Go ahead. he had a bad bad he had a bad outing this past week i believe but um yeah i think he's allowed yeah. he's allowed five runs across his last four appearances which covers yeah. 4.1 innings so not great but yeah, I mean, all these guys, I think, are, are serviceable. I think Will Smith is the one who's going to get is the least likely to get saves. I think he would only do it if they have like a bunch Three of lefties, lefties coming up yeah. in the ninth. Yeah, exactly. I just don't think that he is that dominant out there. Actually, I'm interested to see how good he's been since he landed in Houston because they've been known to uh, have great pitching mm-hmm. development beside uh, the sticky stuff. <laughs> but uh, no, he's yeah, not he- been great. He's been mediocre at best. Four yeah. and a half ERA across eight innings since coming over at the trade deadline. So yeah, I'm I don't I don't really see anything there. I think the wild card here is Ryan Stanek. I think he's going to be the least rostered in most leagues. He does have the best stats out of all of them. He doesn't strike out the most guys. He's second behind Naris amongst those four guys. But he's got a one point two eight ERA, which is like top five in baseball amongst guys with at least 40 innings pitched and that like that's incredible he, he's only got 13 holds they've sort of limited him a little he does have the fewest innings pitched amongst those four guys but he's been so dominant this year I I, he, I think there's a there's a chance I just wonder what Dusty Baker prefers he too has I believe has not been 
pitching very well as of late too. The bullpen is kind. Of, I think that's why Abreu got kind of a shout out there is because he's been he's probably he's been their best reliever this month. I think so. I, I they may go with him and they might ride the hot hand, but yeah, they do have so many other options who have closed out games before. So I I don't know if that's the the role that they're gonna throw him into right now. Stanek's been uh like crazy. Uh, he had like a he didn't allow a run for like three months or something, and he, then you think he, he's allowed two <laughs> in the past month. So he's had yeah he he has like these bouts with his command where he just kind of loses it, but. Yeah, for the most part, he's been really good this season. Oh, that's a good point. He has walked a lot of guys over the past week. I think it's uh, four or five, seven across his last like six appearances, and that's not yeah. great. So yeah, maybe it is one of those times where he he's starting to lose it a little. But uh, I've loved Brian Abreu all season long, and it's mostly because he's a guy who can go multiple innings. Obviously, if he's the closer, he's not going to be going multiple innings, but he strikes out 35% of batters, which according to the pitcher list charts, he's 12th amongst relievers, which is crazy. He limits hard contact, gets a lot of swings and misses. I think he throws pretty hard too. 97 mile per hour ag- average velocity on that four seamer. And he's got a slider that produces a CSW of 38%. So pretty, pretty incredible fastball slider guy. Um, yeah. I mean, if anybody's the closer of the future, I think it's a Breo and yeah. maybe that future is now, but it, it would only be for a short time because Presley should hopefully be back soon. But let's move on to one guy that we've already talked about. And that's Josh Hader in San Diego. I, I mentioned this very quickly, but I don't think anybody would have believed you if you mentioned the order of events in San Diego. You know, like preseason, it was like Robert Suarez. I remember everybody was super hyped about him coming over. Was it Japan? Pretty sure it was Japan. Coming over from Japan, he was just amazing over there. And uh, he, he was going to come over and be the, the closer in San Diego. And that just didn't go as everybody planned because the team acquired Taylor Rogers like the day before the season started. And then Taylor Rogers was like the best closer in baseball for the first couple of months. I think he was leading baseball and saves for quite a while. Definitely the national league. And uh, I think if you tell somebody that, and then also say, you know, then they acquired Josh Hader at the trade deadline that they would be like, okay, wow. Like that bullpen is crazy. There's no way a starter that they acquired who was pitching, I think he was pitching in Korea. Nick Martinez would be yeah. one of the guys in a closer committee alongside Luis Garcia, who was uh, acquired uh, as a free agent in the off season. It's just looking back on it in hindsight, it's just crazy that it's gone this far. I think everybody had so much confidence in Taylor Rogers. I think a lot of people were excited about what Suarez was going to do. And then when Hader came over, it was just all over, you know, Padres are going to have, just they just had the best deadline and <laughs> oof, it's just been a, a rough few weeks since the deadline with the tatis uh suspension and now yeah. hater falling apart and you know those backs hacking up <laughs> oh i did not hear that yeah let's yeah. uh let's hope they can figure things out because last year's collapse was absolutely embarrassing so yeah it's uh it's pretty crazy but who are you favoring among Luis Garcia and Nick Martinez. I really liked Martinez all year long. I liked him when he was a starter. I drafted him in TGFBI. I liked him as a reliever because I love those guys that go multiple innings. They're super valuable in pretty much every league if they're good. And I'm liking him now because he's getting saved. So who who do you prefer amongst Luis Garcia and Nick Martinez? It's a tough call. I I think Garcia is going to get the most chances. And I guess if you like, honestly, looking at it from just like a non-save perspective between Garcia, uh, Martinez and Suarez, they all there's 
none of them really not none not one of the three really sticks out as like being way ahead of the others so i think it comes down to who's going to get the most save chances and right now i think it looks like it's going to be suarez but yeah they all kind of do a little you know something a little bit different like suarez has a really good yeah, good change up garcia's got a great slider martinez can give you multiple innings can do you know stretch things out a little bit so um yeah I, I, and then you got i mean hater will hater is gonna figure if hater figures things out that's great but you also got true pomeranz potentially coming back and i don't know if you can really count on him for much but still another you know high leverage option that they might have at the back end of the bullpen for september so um i guess you just got to read read kind of the how this thing is going and right now i think garcia is the favorite but if it, if martinez gets the next save chance and you know he's definitely someone to to stash and you know ride with as long as you know they're getting that save ch- the save chances yeah definitely i i think Luis Garcia is also going to be the one to get the most saves, but I love what Nick Martinez has been doing since hitting the bullpen since uh, June 22nd. Oh, that was a sound since June 22nd, when he became a reliever full time, he has a 1.21 ERA across 29 and two thirds innings pitch with a 22 to seven strikeout to walk ratio. So he, he's been pretty dominant as a reliever. I think the uh, underlying metrics don't really support it as well. I think he's been pretty lucky. But nonetheless, he's he's been performing when he when he's been called upon in the bullpen, and th- that's sort of all you really want from the uh, guys coming out of the bullpen. But yeah, I think the Padres are going to do all they can to get Hayter right because they're going to need him not only in the stretch run once we get to the end of September or near the end of September, but also in the playoffs. So I, they're, I think they're going to do their best. But right now, I, I would hop on Garcia, but also. I think Nick Martinez is definitely worth it to pick up because he has just been pitching so well as a reliever and will probably get half of the save opportunities with Garcia. I, I don't know. They, they don't have like the handedness thing. So it's not really like, yeah. oh, this guy's going to face all the lefties or this guy's going to face all the righties. I think it's just who do you prefer and watch who uh, ends up getting the saves right now. Nick Martinez got the last save, but the day before Luis Garcia got the save and he had pitched on back-to-back days which sort of led to Martinez so it does seem like Garcia might have the leg up but it's definitely worth it to watch as we go forward um we're gonna stick with uh or do you have any other thoughts on that no that's yeah I I think if you're in a deeper league it's it's worth kind of speculating on both Garcia and Martinez at this point and just seeing seeing how things play out definitely so let's stick with um the NL West where we're going to talk about another guy that we just talked about too. And that's Craig Kimbrell. We want to go into this bullpen a little bit deeper, talk about the guys who will be getting more save opportunities while the Dodgers attempt to get Kimbrell right in the same vein as hater. Who do you think is the top guy to go add right now? Well, I think, you know, Bruce Doug Ratterall just came back and he's looked good so mm-hmm. far. Um, but I, I feel like, I mean, Evan Phillips has just been so good for them this year. I feel like he definitely deserves a shot, and I think he converted a save this past week, and I would love to see him, you know, I'd love to see them just kind of see how he handles the, the role for the next month or so and until they or until they figure, you know, they want to put Kimball back in there. Um, even when Shrining comes back, I feel like, you know, there, there's no reason to rush him right back into save situations. You can kind of ease him in. They have a lot of wiggle room there, you know, up 
however 16 games or whatever it is in the NOS. So, um, yeah, I think it's it's kind of interesting that they have all these. They have like a pretty. It's been they've had some injuries, but their bullpen's still pretty deep, and you know, there's the lefty and Alex Vesia could. He's been pitching well. He could help out against lefties, but I, I think Phillips deserves the first shot. And if not him, I would love to see Gratterall, but I don't know if that's again just coming back from injury. There's no reason mm-hmm. to kind of rush him into some sort of high leverage situation. I stress yeah, spots. I agree. I've always thought Gratterall was the closer of the future, but I don't think that's just yet, especially with Kimbrell still in town. I think they'll use Phillips just because he's been so incredible this year. 1.29 mm-hmm. ERA with a 31.5% strikeout rate. Those are uh, pretty hard to argue against as, as a guy that deserves to be the closer. And I, I think the Dodgers will be just fine in that division, like you mentioned. So they don't really have to worry about it too much. But you know, I, I think they'll just turn to the best guy. It may be more of a closer committee, but I, I think they're gonna they're gonna be smart about it. I think they'll they'll give Kimbrel like I think they'll take it easy on him over the next couple of weeks. Maybe try to mix him into a couple closer role, closer mm. closing situations, save situations. I think that it's just it just seems like such like a confidence thing a lot of the time with closers that you just have to like get a few batters out in a row, like have a few clean outings and then you can come out and do it in a safe situation. And then you sort of feel like, Oh, I got my mojo back. Like he just seems like one of those guys that can, I I mean, I don't know him personally at all, but he just like, he seems to get flustered sometimes and it just like, he just needs to get that confidence back. Um, and then he'll, he'll be that intimidating presence on the mound. But yeah, this is definitely a bullpen to capitalize on. I'm sure a lot of guys have already, a lot of fantasy managers have already capitalized on going and getting Phillips, but he, especially because he's been so great all season. But yeah, he's he's definitely got a chance to get a lot of saves because the Dodgers win a lot of games, but also they sort of blow out a lot of teams. So there's not really many save opportunities. They've only mm-hmm. had one across the past week, and that went to Phillips all the way uh, last Friday. So yeah, I mean, I, I think it's pretty clear like who's the next guy up, but it's not clear how long Kimbrel's going to be out. Yeah, I would agree with that. It's it is funny how like you know sometimes we equate wins to saves. But yeah, the Dodgers really haven't had a ton of save chances this year, and they're a, they could potentially set the record for most wins in a season. And you know, I think it just goes to show how dominant they really have been this season. I don't know that hurts you. I'm sorry to talk about, <laughs> talk up the Dodgers, but I mean. Oh, it it's is okay. I've gotten used to it. I've gotten used <laughs> yeah. to it. And as at least they, they won the World Series in 2020, so you can say the excuse of Mickey Mouse Championship and all that stuff. <laughs> they still have less World Series than the Giants, so <laughs> I've got no problem with the Dodgers being like, oh, we got the, the regular season trophy, the division champion trophy. That's fine with me yeah. as long as as long as they're heartbroken in the playoffs. But um yeah, we we've got a, a couple more bullpens to cover before we we just go over a, a few more bullpens in, in sort of a lighter view and then close things out. But right now we're going to take a quick break. All right. And we're back. I am Jake Crumpler joined by Rick Graham. This is the in the pen podcast, and we're going to continue mowing down the, bullpen situations across the league, the ones that have been changing news that's been coming out. Some of the big news from a bullpen that has just been absolutely destroyed by, by injuries all season long is the New York Yankees bullpen. It's been, I don't even know what's going on there. I don't know. I don't know who they, 
pissed off like what uh what ancient god they they let out of a of a book or a a treasure chest or something they did something wrong they because they've been just destroyed by injuries all season long we've talked about it countless times with chad green michael king zach Britton, and now clay holmes and scott efros are on the il and the guys that they've gotten back from the il in araldis chapman and loisaga haven't been too incredible and so they're basically sitting out there with just a massive closer committee and it's sort of hard to figure out who's going to be the closer there um who do you think's gonna gonna take it? Because I, there's just nobody that's super appealing. Like I honestly wouldn't be surprised if Lou Trevino starts getting saves out there, which I don't think mm-hmm. anybody would have uh, seen coming, even after being acquired at the deadline. Yeah, I know. Imagine, <laughs> just imagine thinking in April that hey, Lou Trevino is gonna actually be the Yankees' closer come September. Just so you know, <laughs> that would, no, I mean that might be the case here because. I, I know Holmes is expected back on Monday, but I don't know if that's, you know, I don't know if you really want to throw him right back into the, into that role. Cause I'm not sure. Um, the, there's definitely a possibility of the back issues played, played into his struggles, but I also think that there's, you know, I, it seemed like hitters were starting to figure him, him out a little bit and not chasing his slider, you know, his stuff out of the zone anymore. And that really, you know, that, his walk rate skyrocketed and you know, that led to obviously <laughs> to bad things, which is w- what will happen if you walk too many guys. So, um, you know, Jonathan Weisiger is right now, I guess the favorite, but like he has not been good this season as well. And, you know, at, right. At, right. As I thought of Chapman was turning a corner, he goes out and just has two awful outings and, I, I think at this point it's going to be really hard to trust him at, at any point this season. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Efros was definitely someone I was interested in, and of course he ends up getting hurt. So it's like, yeah, where do they turn to now? I I don't know. They're, you know, I, they really need to hope that Holmes is able to whatever you know whatever was wrong has been fixed with this IL stint because they might be in trouble in that, with that, that role. Um, I really don't know where they can turn to outside of Holmes at this point. Yeah, it's uh it's definitely impossible to trust Chapman anymore at this point. And especially cause mm-hmm. he's going to be a free agent after this year. I don't think they have any loyal to it, loyalty to him anymore. I, I loved what Trevino's been doing all year from a skill stance standpoint, but I don't know if they trust him just yet. Like they don't, I don't know. It's like they don't know him well enough to trust him with that. You know, it's like you just got a new friend or something. Are you going to trust him like taking care of your house or something? Probably not. It's a it's a tough spot too for him to go from you know Oakland and just like mm-hmm. closing out games at Yankee Stadium. For yeah, that's it's wild. Like, yeah, you got to have a certain mentality for that. And Loisaga yeah. hasn't been great at all. Like he was amazing last year. I loved what he was doing. Yeah. Had him on a lot of teams, but this year it's just been he not striking out guys at all. He's got an ERA over 5.7, just not ideal. And it just seems like it's going to be one of these guys that I don't think anybody's ever heard of. Like Wandy Peralta got the last save a couple days ago. And I think it was like a one out save or something. So Mm -hmm. that one's not too something to buy in too much, but Uh, maybe go ahead. I was say Aaron Boone does trust Wandy Peralta and some mm-hmm. like in these cre- like that he came in with the bases loaded to get one out. Like he Boone does trust him a lot. I don't I don't know if he trusts him to like 
fully hand over the closer role to him. But I mean, that's definitely yeah, definitely a name we should we should mention. I think the most underrated name is a 27 year old rookie in Ron Marinaccio. His skills mm. are just amazing. He sort of walks too many guys. He's up to 12% on the walk rate, but he limits hits like crazy. I think he's got uh, he's got a 13.2% hard contact percentage, which is hard contact per plate appearance. That's fourth amongst relievers. He's got a 172 ERA and a 0.80 whip, which is bonkers and a 30% strikeout rate. So he he just does a great job of, of limiting hard contact and just like it doesn't matter that he's throwing stuff out of the zone it's just his his change up and, and slider are just impossible to hit the, the change up gets a 38 percent csw the the slider is more for called strikes and stuff to keep batters off balance but honestly like yeah. at this point they might have to turn to him because he's been yeah. the best reliever in that bullpen for quite a while he's thrown 31 innings and i i don't there's very few people that know his name i know that the yankees fans are probably loving what he's been doing so far and but I think that's definitely a guy to keep an eye on. There's not much time on the season yet, so it's sort of hard to speculate on this bullpen because it may take three weeks to iron out like who's going to be the closer, especially with Holmes coming back soon. So I don't know if it's it's that worth it to speculate on, guys. Obviously, I think Loizaga might be worth it to pick up right now because he does seem to be the guy that has the best shot at getting saves until Holmes is back. But other than that, like I don't know if it's really worth it to go like speculating on Marinaccio or Peralta or Trevino or Chapman because there's just so little time for everything to figure itself out. Yeah, I, I like Marinaccio too, and he's probably the best guy right now that they have, the best option they have right now. Um, they also, another 27-year-old rookie that they just called up is Greg Weizart. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, he's been the closer for their AAA team, and he's put up some really good numbers this season. And I mean, we're talking about the Yankees. So like guys like Marinaccio and Weizart aren't exactly who you were expecting to hear, you know, talk about closing out games in September in August, September, but here we are. So yeah, uh, I mean, just another name to keep an eye on, I guess, cause he's got, he does some pretty good stuff and put up some dominant numbers in AAA this season. Yeah, I mean, it's mostly surprising, not only because it's the Yankees, but just because they've been known for having such a dominant bullpen and they had that going into the season. And now it's either all injured or all like not performing well. So, yeah, very surprising. I don't think many would have expected the Yankees to have one of the most uh, undulating bullpens in all of baseball. But let's finish things off uh, with a bullpen that is just only unknown names like we're talking about. Marinaccio and Weiser it's basically like that's just the entire Cubs bullpen we talked about Rowan Wick a little bit it looks like he's going to be out of the closer role or at least sharing it with Brandon Hughes who's you know a relatively young guy a relatively new pitcher in the league he's only 26 years old this is his uh rookie season but he's been incredible for the Cubs all season long he's definitely been one of their best relievers and I I think he sort of deserves a shot at, at getting a getting some saves. He's got the last three saves for the team. How are you feeling about Brandon Hughes? What, how deep of leagues are you? How shallow of leagues? Excuse me. That's, that's mm. probably the better way to put it. How shallow of leagues are you going to be picking him up? I think he's definitely, definitely in the mix and 12 teamers for, um, you know, a lot of reasons, especially if we get the sense that he is going to be their closer for the rest of the year. Um, the Cubs are bad, but they're not, terrible to the point where and again like they have a decent schedule so i mean he should be able to if he if he has that role he should be a pretty you know good contributor for the rest of the year and 
definitely in roto leagues you're gonna want to take a shot but yeah in 12 team you know standard head-to-head leagues i think he's worth adding and he, he he does a little bit of he doesn't have a huge he doesn't have a insanely high strikeout rate but he has you know he's he gets swings and misses he not going to kill your ratios he's not rowing wick with a 1.680 whip so i mean <laughs> yeah i'm kind of I'm, I'm interested in him and seeing how he fares in this role you know i would like to see him you know in this role for the rest of the year and see maybe they have you know maybe they have their closer of the future there yeah that would be cool if we could see this guy just sort of come into his own and emerge as one of the better relievers in chicago i i think it's sort of different from wick when we were talking about wick taking over the closer role when robertson was traded to the phillies we noted that the Cubs aren't too great and neither is Wick. So that sort of is a bad combination for a guy that's trying to get you saves. But this is like bad team and a guy who seems to be really good. Like a near 32% strikeout rate is very solid. And he, he he does allow a lot of fly balls, but he's sort of been able to work around that because he doesn't walk too many guys. He was only walking 7.5% of batters. So that's a pretty good combination of you can keep your Babbitt down. And uh, if you if you give up home runs, it's not going to hurt you too bad because there aren't a lot of base runners. So I mean that's been pretty cool. He's uh, he doesn't throw too hard. He's also a lefty, which is you know the only thing that sort of hurts him because you don't really see too many lefty yeah. closers nowadays. But you know the Cubs don't really have a lot of, lot to lose. You might as well see what you got in Hughes. Ooh, that was I am a poet. That there was, you go. That was sick. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I, yeah, I also agree. I would love to see what he can do for the rest of the season, and uh, maybe he'll be you know, pretty high up on the closer chart going into next season and will be drafted sort of everywhere if he can uh, really lay claim to this role and the Cubs don't add anybody in the offseason. Yeah, for sure. I, that's the thing is I feel like the Cubs, even though they're not really in win-now mode, they still will spend some money. So I would expect them to you know still add a veteran reliever or two this offseason. But still, fun, Hughes is definitely a fun name to – to keep an eye on for, especially for those in, you know, deeper save plus hold leagues. Definitely. I, if you're in a 15 teamer, I would say just go pick him up right now, especially yeah. if you can move up a couple spots in, in your Roto league, uh, on the, on the saves department. But, uh, before we close things out, we're just going to quickly ro- roll over a, a couple bullpens, a few bullpens, just because they've, uh, They've been in flux all season, and it's always worth it to check in and see, you know, what the heck is going on. One of those where uh, you just never really know what's going on is in Tampa Bay. It seemed like Jason Adam was the clear cut, clear cut closer. He's been incredible all season long, one point two two ERA with a thirty three percent strikeout rate. But Pete Fairbanks returned, and he's got the two of the team's last three saves. The other one went to Sean Armstrong because Fairbanks pitched on back to back days. The Rays sort of like to go in waves of using guys it seems like like they'll use jason adam for two weeks as the closer and you're like oh well looks like he's the closer and then brooks rayleigh gets the next three saves and then pete fairbanks will get to go for three weeks or whatever so it's really hard to tell but you got any thoughts on the on the raise bullpen obviously you're gonna think that it's in flux but <laughs> is there any yeah. any bit of notes that you can give to prospective fantasy managers looking I, to capitalize on what's going on here i think it depends on well, you know what? Even because even I, I think Jason Adam, Pete Fair, Fairbanks, and Brooks Raley are probably I mean worth rostering in twelve team head to head leagues. I, I like why not? They're not gonna even if they don't get you saves, they're not gonna hurt you with you know bad ratios, and you're still gonna get some strikeouts each week from them. And 
potentially a win here and there, as well as, you know, whoever the closer of the week is that, you know, they choose to go with. So I think all three of them kind of have value. And at this point, it's like not even worth trying to figure out who the guy is to roster here. It's just like all three of them are kind of in a committee, but they all kind of have their own worth and they're definitely back of the roster uh, relievers to, to look at, you know, you know having. Definitely. I, I agree on just the point of just holding on to them, like using them when you don't want to start a starter for a week yeah. or, or just switching them in and out. I've had Brooks Raley in a couple year leagues uh, all year long, just because he's been so reliable and he's been striking out like 30% of guys with a very low ERA. And that's, that's sort of what you want. Even if he's not going to get you a ton of saves, it's just, he's going to improve your ratios and get you some strikeouts. Another yeah. bullpen that has been in flux all year long is in Boston. We're sticking in the NL or AL East. And this one, it's just been hard to figure out all year long. And then now with Tanner Houck being on the IL for the last couple of weeks, I thought maybe we would get some clarity. I thought Whitlock would just run away with this, but he really hasn't. And Schreiber is still just having an incredible breakout season. And last week, it seemed like Matt Barnes was sort of coming back yeah. into his, his own, but I'm not really sure there. Do you have any insight? I mean, this is your team. I feel like you should know what's going on. So <laughs> it should be Whitlock. Whitlock should be close. Whitlock yes. should be the closer from now until his contracts out. I, I don't think mm-hmm. that I wouldn't even mess with him in the in the rotation. I would just you know they they've got he's paid for the next six years. I think it is so just put stick him in that role. But I don't hate the idea. With I'm, I'm gonna say the Red Sox season's pretty much over at this point. I don't think that's a surprise. Oof. It's not a shock. But yeah. I wouldn't mind them if they want to just, you know, see what Matt Barnes can do in September in the closer role just to see what they have there. And, you know, moving forward, then sure. Um, Schreiber has been struggling lately. I think he's a little bit I think he's been overused in the first half and Mm -hmm. probably not used to this type of, you know, obviously not used to this type of usage. So I think they might want to either shut him down or just slow slow down his you know how they're using him a little bit so i I think it's between whitlock and and barnes and like i said it's whitlock's your closer of the future but i I understand if they want to see you know how barnes reacts to the role for the last month of the year yeah might as well just experiment a little see see yeah. what's going on there see j- just evaluate your staff going into the offseason and this is a good time to do it when you feel things slipping away maybe you can strike gold and that kind of stuff but Whitlock has just been so amazing as a reliever I noted in the reliever ranks on Thursday that he has a 4.15 ERA and in 39 innings pitched as a starter and in 31 and a third innings pitched as a reliever he has a 1.45 ERA so I think it's pretty clear where he excels the most and that's in the bullpen and hopefully the Red Sox continue to use him there and you know if they're actually trying to win games it's going to be Whitlock closing out games there because it's hard to trust a guy in Matt Barnes with a six ERA yeah I I don't expect anything he's been pitching better lately but i still i I don't think all is all is fixed there so but uh, yeah i mean they he's owed i think eight million next year or something close to it so yikes so yeah you might want to see like you know 
what he what he has left in the tank here. Yeah, exactly. Because I don't think anybody's going to be trying to trade for him this offseason unless no. you sort of build up his value by showing that he still got it in the ninth inning. Yeah. But sure. moving from your team to one of my teams, we're going to talk about the A's for just a tiny little bit. I noted last week that you should run to the wire and pick up Danny Jimenez because he does seem to be the guy who's going to be the closer. He did get a save chance. Uh, I think it was last night. He blew it. And that was unfortunate. The A still came away with the win, but you know Jimenez was handed the save chance and he wasn't able to hold it down. It's it's pretty confusing what's going on there. I mean, Puck's AJ Puck's been used all over the place, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth inning, and Zach Jackson just seems like the ideal setup guy. Like he walks too many guys to be a guy to trust in the ninth inning, but he's just like so good in those middle innings. He leads baseball with twenty six holds, which yeah how how the a's are so bad how does he have the most holds it's so weird he's just such an unknown name too i was like my brother is like basically just as big about baseball as i am and we were going to an a's game to see shohei a couple weeks ago and uh i was just like all right name like name three guys in the a's bullpen and he said i think he said aj puck and that johnson guy (laughs) I was just like, oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. uh, You need to study back up on the A's, bro. But um, yeah, it's really hard to figure out what's going on here. I mean, I still think it's Jimenez. I still think it's worth to hold on to him right now. I mean, obviously he's not getting you any saves, but he's a guy that was getting all the saves earlier in the season. He was really good until he started to blow up a little before he hit the IL. What are you going to be? Who are you most excited to add on your team in this bullpen? I don't know if I'm excited to add anyone, but uh, <laughs> I think you're right with Jimenez. I think it's like Jimenez is the guy, and um, there's no reason. I, I think that's another situation where like Oakland probably should, you know, take a look at him. You know, he he was good in the closer role before he landed on the IL, so like see what you got here and like give him the last month of the season to see if like he can be your closer moving forward because they have i mean he's under tu control for a while so it's not like the a's need to look to you know trade him anytime soon so i think between him and puck i feel like he makes the more most sense and yeah jackson jackson i don't i don't i'm so hesitant because every every week i see jackson getting like two holds or one or two holds and i'm like i don't feel like i need i don't want to move him up because i keep thinking it's just like kind of a fluke and he keeps doing it so i guess i mean he has become a really effective holds option for holds leagues but again i'm not sure if he's been good but i don't know if i don't know if he that that's really for real or not but apparently it is he's got 26 holds yeah (laughs) pretty incredible but uh Jimenez has been really solid since returning from the IL he's only tossed nine and two-thirds innings and he's walked six guys during that time so he's been struggling with his control a little bit it's sort of centralized into three of his outings where he walked Mm. two guys in each of them but he does he's only allowed one run during that time for a 0.93 ERA and he's also got 11 strikeouts which means 10.2 strikeouts per nine pretty impressive I, I still think he he's somebody that is worth to go out if you like take out those like it's like three outings where he gave up at least three mm-hmm. runs his era is super low it's probably in the in the twos maybe even lower in the ones but i, I think he's pretty reliable the a's are just going to need to win some games to get him some save opportunities 
Yeah, that's that's the key there. <laughs> yeah. Um, sticking in the AL West is going to be the last team we hit before we look at a, a, a few bullpens that we'll be watching out for over the next week. The Texas Rangers have been sort of hard to figure out all year. They really have a lot of talent out there. They've been turning a lot of guys into really solid relievers. Matt Moore. Um, uh, Garrett Richards was pretty good in the season, but they just DFA'd him. And uh, they, they turned Brock Burke in, from a starter into a closer. And then they got a couple guys back from Tommy John surgery and Jonathan Hernandez and Jose LeClerc. But they haven't really been getting too many saves. Taylor Hearn got a multi-inning save. I think it was probably of the three-inning variety because he tossed 43 pitches. And I doubt he did that over one inning. <laughs> no. um, yeah, but uh, Matt Moore also got the most recent save. And uh, that was just his third of the season. It seemed like Jonathan Hernandez was the clear-cut guy, but it, it's really hard to tell right now what's going on here. Who do you prefer to add to your teams right now? I'm st- I still like Hernandez, but yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's just... I was not. I was hoping he would kind of run away with it, but then Matt Moore comes in and gets a save. And Matt Moore has been really good this season, so it's it's. I understand why. Uh, what's interim manager was it Tony Beasley or? Uh, I have I think, no uh, idea. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, I see why they're trusting him still, and that bullpen as a whole is like again sneaky, kind of decent slash good, like. Uh, between LeClerc's been pitching a lot better lately. Hernandez has been good. Um, And then the two lefties and Burke and Moore have pitched well. So yeah, I, I, I I still like Hernandez, but it is frustrating seeing Matt Moore kind of mess things up there because I don't think you're rostering Matt Moore. um, Even if he's, unless he's like a complete, if he's getting like at least 50% of the save chances, which I doubt, but, you know, Hernandez, I thought would be a sneaky, like last month and a half of the season, uh, addition, but yeah, if, if he's not seeing all the, all the save chances, then definitely hurts his value, especially with the Rangers who are not expected to win a ton of games down the stretch. Yeah, I was, I was definitely enamored with Hernandez as well. I picked him up in a couple of leagues and have been hoping Fingers crossed that he would get a save and he has not done so in quite a while, even though he has pitched pretty well in the appearances that he has. But yeah, it's really hard to tell what's going to happen here. I mean, Matt Moore is a free agent after this season. They really shouldn't have any loyalty to using him in save situations unless they like talk to him or just like, all right, bro, we're going to, we're going to do our best to get you paid this off season. (laughs) Like, yeah, yeah, I don't know about that, but he's actually been really incredible this season. I wrote in my reliever ranks last night that uh he has a 2.02 ura which is the second lowest behind justin verlander among pitchers with at least 55 innings pitched and that's a that's a pretty good list to be on yeah especially for a guy who was a top prospect as a starter and never really panned out and now he's finally coming into his own as a reliever (laughs) (laughs) that is true yeah 20 2011 i was how old was i like 14 um (laughs) that's crazy yeah I I remember him coming up. I can't believe, I still can't believe they had him above like Bryce Harper and Mike Trout and stuff, but Hey, neither of those guys (laughs) have been as good as Matt Moore this season, to be honest, what, because of injuries, (laughs) I um, I suppose. Yeah. (laughs) yeah, Maybe not in the, in the war section, but, uh, (laughs) 
in the ERA section, he's definitely beating both mm-hmm. of them. Actually, you could say that, that both of those guys have zero ERAs, but <laughs> nonetheless, let's uh, let's let's close things out. Let's uh, let's cover a couple bullpens that we're going to be looking out over the next week, whether that be looking for guys to take over a closer role or just trying to see what's going on, like we talked about. And basically, all the bullpens, it's just everything's up in the air. Which bullpens are you looking at? Yeah, I mean it's kind of all the the bullpens we've talked about here. Um, you know, San Diego, obviously. I think that's going to take some time, but yeah, just to see how they transition, like wh- what they do until they they're ready to move Hater back into the role. Um, that's definitely going to have some fantasy implications for you know that team. Should I know they're struggling right now, but. I still believe they'll figure things out. They're just there's too there's just too much talent there to to not turn things around. But who knows? Um, yeah, well, I mean Ryan Ryan Presley injury today too. Seeing how where Houston has a bunch of options to turn mm-hmm. to, so seeing where they go for that uh, will definitely be something to watch. Uh, and then yeah, the Yankees. I mean. Clay Holmes is back Monday. Does he go right back into the closer role or do we get someone else? Is there a new name there? Are they going to mix and match with, you know, Peralta and Eliza or something like that? Uh, definitely a lot to figure out there. So yeah, those are definitely the three teams that are keeping an eye on because they could have, you know, big implications for fantasy and just the playoff races and baseball in general right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are great calls. That Yankees bullpen is just way up in the air in the NL West. I, it's like every single team out there other than the Rockies and the Giants seem to uh, be struggling to settle on one closer. So I, I think that's going to be the division I'm watching this week. Last week it was the AL West. Now I'm going to be watching the NL West. Not that I wasn't already as a Giants and A's fan. But yeah, I'm there's there's just so much going on. I don't I don't think I never thought that we would get to this point in the season because it thought it seemed like everything was getting like very secure. Everything was being cemented. Seemed like a lot yeah. of guys were, you know, latching onto roles and like it was just going to seem like everything was getting figured out finally and now we're just it seems like it feels like April again where it's just like all of the closers are just up in the air. You don't really know who's going to get it and there's not really much time for things to get figured out. No, that's we're running out of time. And yeah, this week was super chaotic and just kind of came out of nowhere with, you know, injuries and, you know, Hader and Kimbrell losing their jobs. So, yeah, it's yeah. it's not the time. It's not the time you want to see any of that. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I hope for the best for all those guys dealing with injuries. I hope for the best for the fantasy managers that are trying to figure out what's going on with their josh hater shares and that kind of stuff but things will get ironed out within the next couple of weeks and hopefully we get some clarity within the next week it, but before we uh also, go ahead go I ahead say also in a, just a weird note and something that just happened um edwin diaz pitched the eighth and got a hold tonight while adam Ottavino got the save in the ninth inning so i mean that's like apparently buckshaw walters going with that trend of pitching your best guys you know in high leverage spots not it's not necessarily the ninth inning. So I don't know if that's, it feels like something new there. I don't, I feel like Diaz I, they've usually done that gets the a couple ninth times no this year. They've done that a couple yeah, times okay. where he's yeah. used it against the, the middle of the order, but I mean, it's the Colorado Rockies on the road. Yeah, so like, I don't know what he was scared about. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, it's nothing to worry about or panic about, but just thought it was interesting to, and that definitely hurt, you know, 
it's tough for you, anyone who's got Edwin Diaz that yeah. missed out on a save tonight. Moving down from the number one closer <laughs> down to the bottom of the list now. Come on. Yeah. yeah. Well, Mid-tier. yeah. I think he <laughs> I think he's going to be fine. But uh <laughs> before we end the podcast, why don't you go ahead and link, you know, what you've got going on and your socials. Yeah, so um you can find me on Twitter at I am Rick Graham and you know, as always putting out um putting out three lists each week for closers, holds and save plus holds and um just, you know, other than that on pitcher list, definitely check out the reliever ranks each day that um, Jake and the whole reliever team have done a great job of so far this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a long year of re- reliever it's a grind writing. <laughs> oh, it is a grind. Yeah, I've been uh, August has not been kind to me in terms of uh, keeping up with all the stuff. I've I've got a a long few weeks ahead of me catching up on pitcher list articles and uh, everything. But I, I've still been staying strong on the reliever ranks twice a week. So that's where you yep. can check out my work there. I've been uh, trying to get more stuff up on the athlete tub as well. So. Let's hope I can get back to the usual on that. But you can also find some of my work at uh, Baseball HQ as well. And you can follow me on Twitter at Jake Crumpler. But do you have any uh, final thoughts? Uh, Nothing really. Just, you know, hopefully hopefully we get some of these answers uh, figured out by the next time we talk next week. Yeah. Stay strong, fantasy managers. Uh, yes. it's, the, it's the final stretch. Now is the time yep. to put in the most work because this is where the season counts the most. Absolutely. All right. Well, talk to everybody next week. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.